Coming up on the Shelley Irwin Show podcast today, the Grand Rapids Civic Theater presents a production featuring 26 volunteer actors. We have the details. Also tonight, the Howenstein Center for Presidential Studies welcomes author and historian Matthew Costello. We talk about his talk. Love Your Parks is here. Friends of GR Parks celebrate the power of the park all week. Here's how you can too. Also, students in the GVSU New Music Ensemble and the GVSU Dance Company will be doing a special performance at Meyer Gardens this Sunday, and we have all all the details on that as well. Do you know Grand Rapids Civic Theater, the place to be come March 1st? Let's talk about it. Those in the house to do just that. Let's do our mic checks, as they say. Good that you are here to talk about Disney's Descendants, the musical. Josh Kurczynski, good morning to you, Josh. Good morning. It's good to be here. Thank you to you, Eric Hand. Good morning. Appreciate you, Alexa Woolney. Good morning. Josh Hamilton steps up to the plate. Good morning. Good morning to you. All right, let's get right into the conversation. Grand Rapids Civic Theater does present a never-performed production featuring 24 volunteer, 26 volunteer actors. Take it away with the details, Josh. Yeah, Disney's Descendants, the musical. We're so excited. It opens on March 1st and runs through the 17th. You can catch shows Wednesday through Saturday at 7.30 and a 2 p.m. matinee on Sunday. There's also a couple Saturday matinees on the 9th and 16th. If those work a little better for you, tickets are selling fast. Um, it's about 100 minutes long, one act in and out. I think you'll love it. Good. You know we'll love it. Oh, I know. There we go. <laughs> I'll ask why I come see the show at the end. Thank you for that. We'll get the details and, of course, how to get our tickets. All right, Director Eric Hand, tell me what this show is all about. So this show uh, involves the teenage children of uh, classic Disney villains and heroes like Evil Queen Grimhilda and Maleficent and Jafar. And as they explore uh, how to pursue their own destinies, how do we break free of uh, previous expectations, how do we choose our own families and how do we move forward in the world under those circumstances? And this is uh, such that you have a fairly large cast. Yep, 26 people, uh, varying age ranges from 13 to almost 70. Uh, so it's a it's a nice tapestry of, of human experience and, and we're very excited about it. And how would you describe what this is all about? It's about ch- um, choosing family, right? It's about um, it's uh, finding friendship and understanding that no matter where you come from or how you're perceived that you're worthy of love. Yes, nice theme there. All right, Alexa, step up to the plate, if you would, and tell us about your character, Evie. Yeah, thank you. So I play Evie, the daughter of the evil queen, Grimhilda. She comes from the aisle with the three other evil kids originally raised under these circumstances that it's only what's on the outside that matters. And at first, they're not too excited to really go over to Oridon. You know, they have this idea in their head of what these preppy kids might be like, how they'll treat them. And although they're not far off (laughs) for some of the show, there are a few characters. Shout out to Audrey, who is a bit rude to Evie throughout the show. She definitely learns that there is so much more to her, finds her love through learning, education, and that finding a prince doesn't have to be her end-all goal in life. There's, there's the general theme. There you are. <laughs> Tell me about your history with either civic or theater. Yeah, so uh, I started at civic theater when I was around 16. I'm 21 now, so they've been a great family for me through all the processes. My 
first experience was with SRTI, which was one of our old summer repertoire theater intensives. And then my biggest break at Civic, I guess you could say, was Frozen Junior, where I played Elsa. And that was a great time. That was in 2019, right before COVID crashed. (laughs) The best way to uh, define that. Well, your biggest break thus far in your life, for sure. All right, tell us about you, Josh Hamilton, playing Jay. Yeah, so Jay is the son of Jafar. Um, and similar to Evie, he's a part of the f- uh, group of four evils who come from the Isle to go to Oridon. Um, he's very much in it for himself. He's very selfish towards the beginning, and he's been taught that you know stealing and um, hurting other people is the only way to get ahead. And through the show, he realizes that it's not just about him. It's about like finding success with other people, and the people you do it with are what matter more than the things you do. Um, and I think that's been so cool to play and so cool to showcase because that's a journey I really resonate with. Um, yes. Tell us more about you. So I started with Civic last fall with the SpongeBob musical. I was Larry the Lobster. Oh. So incredibly fun. Um, and then prior to that, I did theater with my high school um, and a couple of other organizations before that as well. Um, it's just been magical to be with Civic. It's been such an amazing experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Once the bug bites, it is bitten. And tell me then uh, about uh, the musical side of this, Eric. So this is a, a, a pop rock musical. It comes from the Disney Channel original movie school of, of musicality, kind of like high school musical, very like energy, um, you know, guitars and, and drums and, and, and more. It, it'll be less uh, what you're used to uh, from a musical, right? It's not like a traditional stand and perform. It's, it's very, you know, groups and, and, and rock numbers. It's, uh, it's energetic. It's got a couple of awesome ballads. I think you're, I think you're going to love it. Yes, you know we're going to love it. There we are. Tell me uh, a little bit, uh, if you would, uh, about uh, the um, Josh K. Uh, more specifics. This is uh, uh, going to be standard with the Pay What You Want Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of our Wednesday performances are Pay What You Want. Um, so it, uh, what's important to us is that you make it to the theater regardless of um, uh, what your financial uh, situation is. You can pay a dollar for a ticket, $10 for a ticket, $100 for Well, we'll take $100. <laughs> but, but you can pay whatever you want, whatever works for you, um, and come see the show on Wednesday nights um, from the 1st through the 17th. Um, some other accessibility resources that we have. Um, we have an American Sign Language interpreted performance and an audio described performance. It's on Saturday, uh, the 9th of March. And we also have a low sensory performance on Tuesday, the 12th, um, where we're going to uh, make a couple adjustments to the show to make the um, theater going experience a little more enjoyable for people with um, specific sensory needs um, so that everybody has a chance to experience live theater. Good. Yes, nothing like it. Winding down back to you, Alexa, how's it been working? Because, uh, I mean, do you have to dance? Oh, my goodness, do I? <laughs> I absolutely have to dance. And it's since it's a one act with no intermission, uh, we are oh. all constantly pushing through, getting those notes out. And I know personally I get to sing a lot of high notes. <laughs> But it's, it's a blast. I know we're doing a lot of classic songs that a lot of kids look up to, and I even have older friends that are super excited to come hear Rotten to the Core for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. How about you, uh, Josh, and uh, um, uh, your dancing uh, opportunity here? Oh, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite things about what we're doing. It's it's what I live for, so to speak. Um, it's very high intensity, very much go, 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 don't stop. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's what makes it so fun to do. Josh Hamilton, why come see the show and your work, of course, uh, in in the cast, please? It's such an amazing experience just to watch. Even when I'm not on stage watching people, it's just so fun because we're all having like the time of our lives up there. Um, and it's so incredibly fun to come see. It's one of the things that I think people really enjoy, watching people have fun. And other people have fun as a result, if you know what I mean. You bet on that, Josh Hamilton playing Jay. Alexa, your reason for uh, selling a ticket or two? Well, there's many. It's a classic that hasn't gotten to be performed on civic stage yet, and I know that kids, families, and people of all ages will enjoy it. I know we're going to have an amazing set, costume designs, lighting, and just the full Disney experience live. Director Eric Hand, has this been uh, fun for you thus far? You're far, you know, we're not even to tech week yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Week next week, very excited. Uh, oh, it's been incredible. It's been one of the most fun things I've ever gotten a chance to do. It's uh, my main stage debut directing here, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, and uh, I wouldn't do anything differently. It's been incredible. Nice. Well, continue uh, enjoying your journey. Details one more time, please, Joss, from Civic Theater regarding this opportunity to catch Disney's Descendants, the musical, up close and personal. Yes, I'll do my best radio voice. <clears throat> Disney's Descendants, the musical, runs March 1st through 7th. At Grand Rapids Civic Theater, Wednesday through Saturdays at 7 30 and Sundays at 2 p.m., with additional matinees on Saturday, March 9th and 16th. Yep, put that radio voice on every day. I'd be from <laughs> 9 to 10, and then I'm back to Shelly. Thank you all for your talents in advance. Josh, Josh, Eric, and Alexa on behalf of Grand Rapids Civic Theater presenting this never performed production. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. This will get you going tonight at 6 p.m. Celebrating President's Day, we continue mourning. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, the president's loss and legacy in American culture. Thanks to the Howenstein Center for Presidential Studies, you will witness this conversation. Author and historian Matthew Costello will examine how different generations and communities of Americans have eulogized and remembered the U.S. presidents. I'll let you continue that. I say hello to you, Matthew. Good morning to you. Good morning, Shelley. Appreciate you. More on that. Matthew Rydecki. Th- Megan Rydecki. Boy, I moved you uh, right into into, the, into that relationship uh, in the house as well. Of course, um, our director of the Hallenstein Center. Megan, it just doesn't stop. Uh, another opportunity to be educated tonight. You know, we are full of opportunities, Shelley, and we really hope people will come out to join us this evening Hear from our esteemed guest, Matthew, and think about the presidents, given that yesterday was President's Day. Yes, so let's celebrate all week. I always start with the basics. Megan, remind me of the good work the center does. Absolutely. Our mission is to raise a community of ethical, effective leaders for the 21st century. We are inspired by the life and legacy of Ralph Howenstein, and we do this by reflecting on the past and looking at the presidency, Um, In the present day, we have our Common Ground Initiative where we take a look at 
um, what you might say thorny issues or controversial issues around public policy and other things, and we debate both sides and practice civil discourse. And then looking to the future, we have our Peter C. Cook Leadership Academy in which we are growing leaders for the future. Nice. Thank you for that. All right, bringing you into the conversation, Matthew Costello, Morning the Presidents. Tell us about you. Uh, so I am the Chief Education Officer for the White House Historical Association, and uh, I'm historian by training. Uh, I'm, uh, I've moved into this new role. I'm very excited because we're opening a new visitor experience in Washington, D.C. Uh, so in my, I am a recovering historian, I would say. I'm, I'm spending a lot more time doing administrative and managerial work, mm -hmm. but um, you know, to echo Megan's point, I mean, the presidency is still a great vehicle to understand different moments in American history, leadership, uh, changing topics and issues and perspectives. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity for me to be here, uh, mm -hmm. to share more about mourning and how those rituals and traditions evolved over time and how we can learn more about us, the American people, through these unique events. Yes. In general, how has mourning uh, changed over the time? Well, uh, generally speaking, I would argue that it's become more inclusive uh, over time uh, with changes in communications, technology, uh, the ability to do things like embalm. Uh, you know, for example, with Abraham Lincoln, uh, that was what made his funeral train back to Springfield so particularly powerful is that they were able to uh, take his remains and his deceased son Willie's remains back to Springfield. And, uh, and they took him over 1,600 miles and through 13 cities, and he was uh, put out in these different government buildings and city halls for people to pay their respects. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is not an experience that Americans would have had prior to that. And so what the volume argues is that... Uh, Obviously, politics are always going to be connected to a president passing, not only in the moment, uh, but also the politicization of what we are currently facing as a country. And, uh, and so to see that develop over time, I think it says a lot about the relationship between the American president and the people and how uh, you know we want to know our leaders. We want to have an emotional and real connection with our leaders, and studying mourning periods and practices is one way to see that. What do you add to that, Megan? Um, Shelley, I'm not sure that I could add a whole lot, but, uh, um, you know, I still remember the images from when President Ford passed, and I was just looking up some of the numbers. I think they estimate about 60,000, 67,000 people mm -hmm. came to pay their respects um, during the several hours that he was laid in repose at the presidential library and museum and as we think about what does it mean to be a hometown of a president mm -hmm. what does that inspire in us exactly to Matthew's point what does that say about us as people I think it's a really interesting thing to examine and we laughed a little that we commemorate President's Day by thinking about their passing but it really does say a lot about who we are and to Matthew's point how we want to connect with these with these leaders yes Matthew, uh, are there resources? Are there? Um, have you written a, a book uh, regarding this topic? Yes. So the event tonight is going to cover the edited volume. I was a co-editor with Lindsay Travinsky, and uh, we have 12 essays, and they span from George Washington to the most recent state funeral for George H.W. Bush. Now, <clears throat> there are some figures that you'd expect. You know, we have FDR, Theodore Roosevelt, John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan— uh, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, but then there are some lesser knowns. We have Zachary Taylor, we have Andrew Johnson, and we have Herbert Hoover. Uh, so it is a very interesting mix of 
presidents, an interesting mix of responses and perspectives immediately after their passing. And, uh, and I think also uh, one of the key things to take away from this is that presidential traditions and rituals change over time and that they are ultimately at the discretion of the president. And so even though we do have sort of a model of a typical state funeral, mm -hmm. there's still a lot of say and autonomy of the former presidents and first families to decide exactly what that looks like. And not to make light of it, but uh, these funerals are uh, orchestrated and choreographed, uh, just as you mentioned. Uh, there's a lot of work that's done before uh, uh, we pass as, as a president. Yeah, in fact, uh, during George H.W. Bush's presidency, I mean, that was uh, one of the first things they talk about, mm -hmm. is planning for a potential state funeral while in office and then revisiting the state funeral plan beyond after leaving office. And I think George H.W. Bush's plan was over 200 pages. So uh, that just goes to show you how much the level of detail and preparation uh, that goes into planning these events that often span an entire week, multiple locations. They involve different dignitaries, politicians, guests, family. Uh, and in George H.W. Bush's case, he even involved uh, a locomotive uh, that took his remains back to the Bush Library and College Station. Yes. Do um, one of the uh, topics you may uh, hit on tonight is examining what presidential deaths can tell us about what societal fissures at various critical points in the nation's history? Yeah, so uh, we, the, the general guidelines to the authors were to take a look at these presidents, mm -hmm. provide very brief biographical information about how they became president, their passing, and then what was the immediate response. So all the chapters follow that theme, but where we make a distinction is the definition of legacy because we wanted the contributors to talk not only about that moment, but then uh, fast forward. You know, how do Americans today see this particular individual? And so we all tackled the idea of legacy very differently. Uh, for some people, legacy is about how have historians uh, described and written about this figure. For others, it's about the creation of monuments, memorials, the memory landscape. Uh, and then for others, it's material culture. You know, how was this passing commodified and how were people able to actually take mementos of this person into their homes and pass them on to future generations? Of course, we mourn the spouses of presidents, yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and, and in fact, the most recent was uh, Barbara Bush when she passed away uh, in April 2018. And not quite a state funeral, but uh, in the Bush chapter, it talks a lot about how that was sort of uh, a dry run for the president's funeral because they planned a lot of their funeral activities together. Uh, they had the, uh, the service at St. Martin's in Houston, as did President Bush later in December. And so uh, it also helped the library staff, the Bush library staff, prepare in terms of media requests, uh, things that people were going to be asking for in terms of images, uh, audiovisual materials, and so forth. Yes. Uh, Megan, uh, Matthew mentioned theme this year's, I say this every time we're together, this year's Hallenstein Center theme of empowered citizenship uh, brings these type of conversations to the forefront. Absolutely. We think it's really important in this day and age that people not get bogged down by the world and the environment about them, but that we each wake up every morning and remember that we have agency and what we do matters and that how we show up in the world has a direct correlation with the world that we see. 
And so um, this is just another conversation to make us think about, again, who we are as individuals, who we are in this nation, um, and how we show up and what we can contribute to the world when we examine our roles within it. This morning, the president's loss and legacy in American culture again uh, tonight, 6 p.m. on behalf of uh, the Hallenstein Center. This is at the Lucemore Auditorium, Megan? That is correct. We hope to see you there. Yes. Tell me, uh, Matthew, in closing, uh, again, uh, your day job, uh, you hang out uh, near the White House, eh? <laughs> I, that sounds nice. Um, it, it, not exactly. I, our offices are near uh, the White House uh, on the other side of Lafayette Square. Uh, the association was founded in 1961 as a private nonprofit organization tasked with enhancing the general understanding of the history of the White House and the people who live there and the people who work there. And so we are the public-facing side of that. We've worked with every administration since 1961. We're on our, our 12th uh, administration now. And uh, in addition to helping fund acquisitions, preservation, and conservation efforts for the permanent White House collection, mm -hmm. we have a robust teacher training program. Uh, we do new research scholarships, such as Morning the Presidents. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we continue to, uh, to do more digital asset uh, acquisitions as well. Uh, we're starting to move into that space as well with our digital library. And we're having former White House employees reach out to us about digitizing materials and making them free and readily accessible to all online. Mm -hmm. And so that is, uh, that is the next step for our digital library. Glad you are taking time to present your words to our audience, both online, of course, gvsu.edu slash hc slash events at 6 and in person. Where did we find out more about you, Matthew Costello? Uh, you can look me up at whitehousehistory.org to you. All right, Megan, uh, thanks. Another opportunity to be educated when it comes to your great center. 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. at Lucemore Auditorium. And thanks again, Shelley. Always great to be with you. Big opportunity to support your parks. Everything from, well, uh, the goals of uh, I Love Your Parks Week to an event tonight, this party in plaid gala you don't want to miss, the keynote in the house. Of course, the executive director of Friends of GR Park, Stacy Barr, in the house. Good morning to you, Stacy. Always a pleasure. Good morning, Shelley. Thanks for having us in. It's always good to see you. Good to see you as well. We have Sarah Messing, a junior at Grand Valley, running a very important project. Good to meet you, Sarah. Thank you to be you. Yes. And there is a keynote, Luis Benitez. Benitez yes. in the house you, in town uh, to speak about the importance of outdoor recreation infrastructure to the economy. That should be a mandatory attendance. <laughs> We're really looking forward to it. I think it, you know, I come from the Trust for Public Land and the work that Stacy's doing here um, in Grand Rapids is vital for understanding how outdoor recreation and green space really feeds into a quality of life question and an infrastructure question. Stacy, set up our conversation. This is a pretty big week. Yeah, this is a huge week for us. It's our Love Your Parks Week. It's an opportunity for people to come out and show their support financially and through participation in different fundraising activities. We've got our plaid gala tonight. Luis will be speaking. We'll be honoring our volunteer and partners of the year. Tomorrow night, we've got Great Lakes Trivia at uh, Creston Brewing. And then Thursday night, we have Fresh Coast Film Festival at Wealthy Street Theater. And we're just using all this to really highlight the power of the outdoors. And, you know, Grand Rapids has one of the nation's best park systems, but we've got to keep building. We've got to keep growing. We have to make sure that people see the value 
in West Michigan outdoor recreation right here. Up north is awesome. Outside of the state is great. But we can be and will be the mecca for outdoor recreation moving forward, not just for the Midwest, but the United States. And part of that is having amazing students out at GVSU doing really cool work on left behind infrastructure. And then, so that's why we wanted Sarah to talk a little bit about that. And Luis comes in with a global national perspective Mm -hmm. as one of the top industry members of the outdoor industry who can really speak to the economic and health benefits of time outside. We get the best there. We go, Sarah Messing, what you majoring in at Grand Valley? Yes, I am a double major in marketing and sustainability at Grand Valley. It will be a job for you at the end of the run. You are running a project, let me share the tease, with the goal to make Grand Valley ultimately the best outdoor recreation campus in America. Going to meet that goal? Oh, I would love to. Good. What uh, is the project in general? And I know we've got the, uh, a question of did you know there used to be a ski lift in the ravines? Tell me more. Yes. So the ravines on campus is kind of this untapped potential that not a lot of people know about. So it's a natural ecosystem that is located right on our Allendale campus. Mm -hmm. It's miles and miles of waterway right by the Grand River. And we would love to just kind of see more interaction and uh, student use with these ravines. So we're trying to conduct surveys and research right now on student usage to further implement and explore this for academic reasons and even just outdoor recreation reasons. Are you uh, conducting a survey that you need us to uh, take advantage of? Oh, I would love to. Mm-hmm. Tell us about it. So it's a survey that is student-led uh, research, and it's kind of just taking some qualitative information on current usage of the ravines and just kind of seeing how it plays into our overall wellness as um, a university and how we can really expand from there and explore the untapped potential. So how uh, do you want us to use the, rav- the ravines starting today? Um, Starting today, just kind of getting out there and exploring them, just kind of seeing what we really do have to offer. We'd love to just kind of explore the usage of more signage and information to these ravines and also just kind of exploring those academic reasons since they're located on GV's campus. We have multiple majors that would love to go out there and access them. So just kind of using these for research and classrooms would be amazing. And there used to be a ski lift in the ravines? Yes. Wow. How does this tie in with your goals, Stacey? It's just how do we create the West Michigan ecosystem of outdoor recreation? And there's not a single campus, and Louise can speak to this, that has the opportunity for 16 to 24 miles of hiking trail, mountain bike trail, as well as the river that runs through it. And so when we think about it, you know, it's easy. Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, we get stuck within our municipal boundaries of Grand Rapids, and that's fine from an organizational perspective, but people don't use parks and public lands that way, right? People don't say, oh, I'm only going to use Grand Rapids parks. They use across the spectrum. And GBSU is in our backyard. So it's how do we connect from great trail and outdoor experiences from downtown all the way out to the coast and within the hour. And really, that is the outdoor recreation neighborhood that we're looking to build and create with GR right at the center. Luis Benitez, let's talk more to you. Keynote for tonight's party in Plaid Gala. Tell me more about you. Well, I'm really excited to wear a plaid suit tonight for oh, for Stacy. Okay. So that's that. Beyond that, you know, party and plaid is always a good topic. You know, Shelley, yeah. one of the things that I wanted to emphasize with you today is that this really isn't just a local question. This is a national question for the outdoor industry. The outdoor industry 
at large for the United States is worth $1.1 trillion in consumer spending. It's responsible for over 5 million American jobs. So no longer is this a question of just green space and saving parks and having great recreational um, amenities in a town. You're also talking about supporting an economy. So when you hear about things like student-led organizations trying to understand how to revitalize a trail system, this isn't just about recreation. This is also about local economies of scale. When you think about mountain bike shops moving to town, if that trail system actually goes in, when you start thinking about guiding services that would move to town if trails like that go in, that's the backbone of this trillion-dollar economy in the United States. Well, I know as a a runner and a a cyclist, we have, I want to say, a plethora of of (laughs) some some cycling trails and and running trails that uh, do get us out and about. What will you talk about tonight, Luis? You know, it's just that. I think the the power and the magic and the potential that um, you have here in western Michigan that a lot of places in the country have already sort of built the infrastructure, asked the question. They have um, those pieces set in place. What Stacy's working on here really is the unique opportunity that uh, there's still an untapped landscape. There's still the potential to understand how to put this infrastructure together in a way that, believe it or not, brings companies to town, brings organizations to town. When they look at a quality of life and they look at the value proposition of moving an organization, they don't think just about tax incentives to move a company. They also think about the quality of life for their employees and the communities that they're going to be plugging into. And this resource that you have in and around Grand Rapids for Western Michigan overall, frankly, is really a unique opportunity to rewrite the storybook. Is it possible for Grand Valley to ultimately become a best outdoor recreation campus in America? 100%. Oh, my gosh. Stacey and I talk about this all the time. I mean, you see uh, examples all over the country of, again, getting back to that national economy of academic institutions starting to plug in and understand you know, if this is a trillion-dollar economy, the talent pipeline for workforce needs to come from somewhere. And so the organizations and the institutions that start to believe in that opportunity really start to benefit from that pipeline. Where's home for you? Denver, Colorado. Okay, well, you know, you've got some, you've got some good trails there, Well, too. yeah, but I'm surprised <laughs> Stacy didn't bring this up. I actually married into Michigan. My wife is from Alpena, so I am, uh, I am a 50-percenter way over there across... Directly across from Traverse City. You're, you're uh, hopping to skip away and yep. uh, know about uh, where you are. Oh, look uh, at that. that. Shelly's holding hand. up her yeah, hand. Got She's the hand. holding got up right the mitten to show us where Pina. we are. Yeah, you bet. How exciting is it, uh, uh, Stacy, to have Luis here and obviously also talk about our future here at Grand Valley? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, we are starting to pull in. People are interested. There's national attention being paid to West Michigan and the opportunities that are in Grand Rapids and beyond. And I think it really is up to, you know, we can do the best we can, but it's this next generation. It's students like Sarah who are grabbing the opportunities for leadership, sensing what is there, saying, hey, mental health is important to me. Outdoor recreation is important to me, and we're going to make the change. And so all Luis and I need to do at this point, if, to use a football metaphor, we're the fullbacks. We're just looking to create space so folks like Sarah and her cohort can lead and the rest of us will follow. Yes, you'll need to kind of move that to basketball language now. But we'll, you know, eventually uh, March Madness, so right around the corner. Time of the year. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll create the space like Bill Lambier did so she can get the shot. There you go. Ooh, I like that even better. All right, Sarah, leave us with your shot. Uh, what do you ask of the community to get the goal made of uh, making Grand Valley uh, the best outdoor rec campus in America? And tell me more here. I'd say with Grand Valley just being as 
adapted to their community as they are located downtown and in Allendale. We would love just for people to kind of experience what these students are doing. I'm doing a presentation at the Retire event, which is April 12th downtown on our DeVos campus. Um, it's basically just kind of spreading the awareness from students and staff of how we're empowering an educational experience at Grand Valley. So if anybody would love to attend this event, that would be amazing. This again, April 12th. And uh, you're a junior, so you've got one more year at least. Uh, Correct. What's your dream job? Dream job would love to work for some sort of campaigns to promote sustainability with my double major in marketing, just to kind of tie in and bring awareness to all these opportunities that we have to offer. Nice. Great. Luis Benitez, we'll see you tonight. What do you leave us with? Looking forward to it. I think it's just that message we've been talking about, that if people really start to see nature as infrastructure in a community, you start to understand how that drives so much more than just the preservation of green space, economic development, conservation and stewardship of those lands, education um, and workforce development, and then above all else, public health. How do we find out more about your work? Uh, you can go to luisbenitez.info. Thanks for being here. Enjoy tonight. Stacy Barr, take us home, Executive Director, Friends of Grand Rapids Park. This is a big week. It's a great week. There's still tickets available both for the gala tonight so people can come out and see Luis. Join us tomorrow night uh, at Creston Brewery and then uh, finish off the week strong with Fresh Coast Film Festival. And if we don't see you there, we'll be planting trees starting in April. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Not to rush life, but bring it in April. Thank you very much, Stacy, Luis, and Sarah for this conversation. Mark your calendar for February 25th. It's a big day for my next guests, continuing to collaborate to bring good music to our West Michigan. Students in the GVSU New Music Ensemble and GVSU Dance Company will be doing a special performance at Meyer Gardens this Sunday. So we talk about it. Bill Ryan in the house, professor of music and director of the New Music Ensemble, composer of the music and more. Bill, always a pleasure. Hey, Shelley. Good morning. Appreciate you as well, Hannah Seidel, Associate Professor of Dance, Choreographer of the Dance Performance, as well also working with the Dance Company, uh, which uh, you offer performance opportunities for students, and that's why they say yes to majoring in dance, I imagine. We absolutely do. We keep them busy. Nice. Bill, we've spoken uh, before. We speak now. We'll speak again. What a great history you have. Boy, I remember when the new music ensemble began. That's right. Yeah, I came here in 2005, and they started soon after, and, uh, you know, we, we hit the street and have not stopped. Lots of cool projects, and this is, uh, you know, one of many. So how would you describe this ensemble? Uh, it's, a, it's a chamber ensemble, so that's, uh, we have seven musicians in the group, one per part, and uh, we're a classical ensemble, except we're specializing in modern, brand-new uh, classical music. And uh, your history with the dance company, if you would, Hannah. Sure. Well, the dance company is uh, for dance majors at Grand Valley State University. So they get to perform in a fall concert and a spring concert, and this is an extra bonus concert for them. Silly question, but are students uh, uh, stepping up to the plate and asking to major in dance and more? They absolutely are. We've actually had great incoming classes. Yes. And your students under the New Music Ensemble, uh, uh, Bill, are they going on to uh, uh, do their talent uh, professionally? Yeah, we have uh, all majors, so music education majors, and they're becoming future educators, uh, doing similar things that I am. And then we have performance majors that are uh, also, um, you know, playing in a variety of capacities. All right, we've set the table. Now let's talk about the 25th. I'll stay with you, Bill. I have some uh, music uh, to share, but before we get to that, what is this collaboration for Sunday? 
So this, uh, this is a collaboration with Meyer Garden, and they asked us to create some sort of event that would highlight this space, uh, the Garden Pavilion, and the sculpture called Utopia by Jaume Plenza um, in it. And so we sort of uh, put our heads together and came up with this idea of a music performance by my ensemble. I would create the music, and then uh, Hannah would add the dance element to it. Yes. Where do you start with adding a dance element, Hannah? Well, we really started with the space, and uh, if you haven't seen it before, it's a giant room, and there is one marble face on each wall, and natural light coming down from the top, so it's an absolutely beautiful space to be in. So with the dancers, I started with the ideas of working with both comfort and with awe, and then we worked together to, together to translate those things into movement. Do you audition your, answer, your, your dancers? Is this a senior privilege? How do you know who's good? It actually is by audition. So all of the dance majors who are in this dance company class audition, and it depends on what they bring to the table in each moment. It also is an educational experience, so they get to practice skills they would need to audition after Grand Valley. Yes. And when do you begin to, to is it kind of like a tech week, when do you actually begin to work with the ensemble? We are going to do that on oh. Sunday. <laughs> oh, you'll come together then. We are. We've uh, been able to, I've been able to listen to Bill's students performing, and he's been able to visit my dancers, so we have some sense, but it's actually going to be in the space, in the moment, when it comes together. Ooh, that's nice. I have uh, utopia as a, a key word here. Why would that be? Well, that's the name of the, the piece by Plenza's, um, the sculpture. And uh, again, I think this event is all about the space. And uh, I viewed, you know, I visited this space many times before I even started to compose um, just to be inspired and see what it had to offer. And I, I view what I did as an extension of the sculpture. Um, it, it's almost like we're hearing the sculpture if it was, uh, you know, became music. All right. Let's take a listen. of adjectives to uh, to describe they're all positive relaxing um and more what uh actually i'm gonna go with you hannah what will you will we see your dancers moving to this sound the very first thing we did when we got into the room to audition was just sit and listen and experience the sound so that's the way that they start the piece even before they enter the stage yes. bill this is um 82 minutes long? That's right. Exactly 82 minutes, yeah. Wow. Tell me more about the sound we, we've heard. Yeah, again, I view it as an extension of this incredible uh, sculpture that's in, in the space, and also the space. Um, I mean, I'm really hoping that it's a sort of gentle, ambient, relaxing 
environment that it creates. And I hope that it encourages people to pause for a moment, maybe put down their phones, reflect on themselves, reflect on the, the movement that they see, whether it's the dancers or it's the people walking throughout the space, reflect on the sculpture, the light coming in. You know, I, I, the music, it's this slow motion kind of wash. And, and again, I hope that reaches people and affects uh, them as well. What instruments will, will be uh, on site? So it's, it's uh, an electronic backing track, which we pre-recorded, and I highly manipulated, stretched, and folded, and did various things too. And then it's going to have live musicians, which are flute, clarinet, saxophone, uh, a keyboard, percussion. Uh, what else am I leaving off? Oh, oboe. And uh, yeah, so live musicians combined with with uh, a pre-recorded element. Two dancers, Hannah. There are two opportunities to uh, to experience this at the Garden Sunday. Yeah, the, our first run is going to begin at eleven thirty in the morning, and people are welcome to not stop and watch the whole thing, or come and wander through and experience moments of it. And then our second run will be at two thirty in the afternoon. Well, that's good. You said that, so it's it it is a concert, but yet it's not a get your seats, sit down for 82 minutes. It, it can be, obviously, uh, respect your, your, your those who want to stay the whole time. Uh, watch your, uh, uh, keep the volume down, as they say, but uh, wander and reflect. Silly question, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing your dancers. Will they be in typical dance costume attire? The costumes were selected to bring some individuality to each of the dancers, so they're not exactly the same. And it also reflects that each of the sculptural faces on the walls is a little bit different. But they are all unified in uh, white, which is also drawn from the sculpture. Bill, uh, what else is important that we know? I I think, uh, again, there's no. this is a very different concert presentation. Uh, It's more almost like a sound movement installation. Um, there will be chairs here and there in the space so people can can grab a seat if they want. Um, they, they may be walking through to go to other exhibits within the museum, which is totally fine. Um, they may be, you know, not even aware of this performance, walk through and we catch their attention and they, they have a seat. So um, we're, we're interested in seeing how that plays out as well. Yes. And of course, uh, the show itself, uh, uh, Utopia Music and Dance Ambient Experience. We should have opened with that statement. Uh, I know their new, um, their new, uh, Garden's new director, Charles Burke, is, uh, is, is certainly uh, thinking out of the box with new uh, opportunities to bring together all of the arts at the garden, and certainly you uh, you present that performing in the garden pavilion. Again, this is featuring the sculpture Utopia by uh, Mr. Plenza. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it all comes together, doesn't it? Sure. Yes. Hannah, what else, uh, how else can we support your dancers at Grand Valley in general? Uh, we've got more concerts coming up. We have a fall dance concert. We have a spring dance concert in April, so there will be another opportunity to see the dancers perform this piece and a lot more variety of styles as well. And uh, your future with new music ensemble. Do your students graduate and then you audition more so that there's sustainability? That's right. It's a you know if we're doing our jobs right, they graduate, which is uh, a tough to to deal with from a production standpoint. But it's a it's a cycle that we're used to. What was it? You went. You went to New York, or what was your big thing? We uh, we've been. Yeah, been we, we've we've done. Uh, gosh, six, seven national tours. We've performed in national parks, um, 
played in New York several times, lots of things. We have five commercial CDs. If if people are interested, they can go to our website, newmusicensemble.com, and check things out. Uh, And then our department, Music Theater and Dance website, has information on all our programs. Still have a dream? A dream? Sure, always. Uh, Yeah. You should. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know. uh, How can it be... uh... Uh, Sunday sounds like uh, you're achieving goals. How do we find out out more about your dance uh, performance? Well, you can check out the Grand Valley Music Theater and Dance webpage, and there are all of the events for our entire music theater and dance listed there. Great. And, Bill, uh, should we uh, log on to what to get tickets? Yeah, believe it or not, this is a free event. Um, You can go in. This is sort of the welcome center area of the... uh, of the garden, so you can go there and attend for free. If you do want to attend any of the other exhibits in the gardens, that there will be the normal admission fee for that. Great. Going out with Utopia, designed by you, Bill Ryan, you director of Grand Valley's new music ensemble. Thank you for your talent, Hannah Seidel, with Grand Valley's Dance Company. Have fun on Sunday. Thanks for having us. the week for sure your inspiration for the day according to theodore roosevelt do what you can with what you have where you are okay hope you enjoyed the show have a great day i'm shelly irwin